today. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining me again by the billabong. It's a strange old world out there. Saying truth is stranger than fiction. Come to mind, when I'm telling you this tale, I don't know how much truth or fiction is in there. It's just, it, it, it's just out there. And the only way I can... No. Well, I suppose I could just... Well, you just, just have a go at this. Alright. I suppose it is all my fault. I find myself here in the lockup. So I start at the beginning. I had a full life, a rich life. Filled with women, food, and song. Born in South Africa, spent my teenage years in Paris, got to know the culinary delights, and then I moved to Melbourne in 1977 with an opportunity to host my own show, Cuisine Francis. It was an instant hit. The Australian Palais was keen to move on from meat pie and lamington. I met the Prime Minister and was lucky enough to be on the Port Organ show. But of course, the fairy tale he had to end. It all came crashing down. I was asked by the head of the studio to promote this new device called a microwave oven. A microwave oven, I ask you. This device is not what a Michelin chef uses to cook his meals with. I, of course, refused and was told by the broadcaster to go suck a dingo's donger, a term I had not heard before. But uh, the message was clear. I was off the air. So, with my money, I opened up a restaurant in Turak, the wealthiest part in town. And for a while, business was booming. I had a food critic come down from Sydney, and he said the flavors were magnifique. But it was not to last. Just next door, a new kangaroo-themed restaurant opened. And the Aussie desire for fine craft French delicacies gave way for hamburgers and fucking French fries. I was desperate to keep my business afloat. And one evening, after having my fill of dumplings and a rice of wine, I found a man in the alleyway who was going to solve all of my problem. He solved me bag of brown powder. He said it will improve the flavor of any dish. I just needed to add a dash. Is it a stock? I asked him. He shook his head and said it was a secret spice from Nagasaki. It was grown from the new radiated species that have flourished since the end of World War. I went back and decided to use the spice. I cooked and cooked 
all night long. I decided to change my recipe to meat with the local Aussie palate and to create a dish suited to their bland flavors. I was going to make a meat pie like no other. I got a chop, I sauteed away. I worked for an hours and hours to reduce the gravy. The crust, it was thicker than the average pie. I laid it with three types of animal fat. The cuts of meat were took from the best butchers in Turak. Then, the secret Asian spice. I trickled it in with a teaspoon and I leant in for a smell. Some of the spice ran up my nose, causing me to sneeze. I don't know how much I inhaled, but when I opened my eyes, it was gone into the gravy. I left the recipe to simmer and sat back and looked with pride at my invention. After three bottles of Bordeaux later and around 3 a.m., I must admit, my judgment, it was not the best. I found myself staggering through the oars of the ABC studio. I had broken in looking for that monstrosity, the microwave. Not long after, I found it. Furiously, I ripped off the cardboard. I crushed the styrofoam and I looked at that fake wood laminate and spat on the floor. I had to see what this mechanical bastard could do. I finished off the last of my Bordeaux, threw it on the floor and placed my perfect meat pie in the microwave. I watched as the pastry turned around and around in a little circle. The machine it armed at me and I fell asleep. I woke up three hours later and the microwave it was splayed open like a Christmas turkey and on top sat my meat pie. I paused. What was that noise? I asked myself. It sounded like a lost doggy. Then the pie, it began to wobble. Left and right. And it spun itself around on the table, revealing its gruesome jaws. Like an Halloween pumpkin, the pastry teeth were jagged and sharp. I leapt to my feet in fear. It spoke. My meat pie. It was alive. Alive, I tell you. Alive. Uh, hello. I am Louis Castro. I guess, yes. Yes, I am your father. Just then, the security nightman, he walked in. What the fuck is that? I don't know, but the pie he left from the table is jaws wide. He snapped that poor bastard in two. I watched in horror 
as it sat on the floor and chewed him up. I looked up as his left leg flapped around on the ground. It was horrific. I staggered back as the chubby little guard got turned into meat. My eyes bulged. But then, the pie, it grew. It grew larger. I had to get out of the room before it broke down the walls. I ran down the hallway as fast as I could. It called for me as I fled in fear. The pie, it busted through the wall like it was rice paper. Upright, spitting gravy that melted the tarmac. Run! I yelled as I jumped back in my car. The security guard, he tried to run to the passenger side, but I had locked the door. It was too late. The pie rolled over him with perfect timing and swallowed him whole. All that was left was his spinning shoes on the tarmac. I eat the accelerator and sped out onto Swanston Street. I looked in my review mirror as the pie pulsated and grew. He tumbled about and followed, calling me. I drove down the street and thankfully they were empty. I'd seen some lights turn on and someone looked outside the window and shrieked. Not long now before the cops would come here to stop it. Stop my creation. I looked again in my rearview mirror. There it was. It followed me. Stopping every now and then, spitting bile at the building, eating something away inside, having its fill. The thing, it had grown from the size of a small minivan to a double-decker bus. And now, it was picking up momentum. The pie, it slammed up against the late-night tram. The passengers looked outwards and began to scream. The pie, it bit down hard, crunching the carriage in two, chomping its way to the front. At the last moment, the driver leapt. The passengers were not so lucky. By now, the police, they were well aware of the strange happenings and tried to shoot the thing. The bullets were only eaten up within the thick pastry. I drove down towards the bay, thinking I'd get away on a boat. I managed to make my way to a large yacht anchored in the bay. The giant thing called to me. I pulled up the anchor. I dropped the sails as quickly as I could. I had to escape this beast, this thing, this Frankenstein monster. Slowly I pulled away. Pi turned and began to eat everything in his path. Growing. Spitting large chunks of molten mince.
stop it. Uh, it's a giant pie. I sat in horror, listening for hours. The police tried in vain. It ate and ate. Slowly, I made my way down and headed for Queenscliff Port. I had no choice. I would then hand myself into the police and tell my tragic story. I decided to lay down and get some rest before dawn. I woke and turned the radio on to hear the latest news. The giant thing has grown now to the size of a small building. It has moved out of the city and is making its way down along the coast. We estimate it will hit Geelong soon and are doing our best to evacuate. The beast is slow, but it seems to be running uh, with intent. We'll keep you updated as we have more information as it, as it comes to light. I stopped. No. It was coming for me. This mindless thing. This meat pipe monster. Was it looking for his father? I arrived at the jetty, tied up the boat, and looked out over the sleepy town of Queenscliff. I knew the creature was coming for me. Perhaps for its last meal, I did not know. I walked up to the local gas station, which was open but evacuated. I stepped in, looked around, to be have moved on from uh, Geelong where we were wrong and it appears to be heading to the small town of Queenscliff. We are advising all of the residents to uh, uh, stay inside or, or, or just just stay away and we've raised the special air service regiment um, who will be arriving shortly. Just um, just don't go near it. Um, the big pie. Don't go near the big pie. I walked behind the counter and took out a packet of cigarettes. I had quit 15 years ago, but I knew it was coming soon. A man's last cigarette. I looked over the petrol bowsers and decided this is where it had to be. I stubbed out my cigarette, walked outside. <coughs> the fumes were horrible. I had ran out petrol from all six hoses. I emptied the station's tanks all over the shop, the car park, and I looked about to the horizon. The fumes made my eyes burn. I had hoped to stay conscious until it arrived. The creature is now minutes from Queens. The radio, it dropped dead. And I listened as the rumbling slowly got louder and louder. I watched as it slowly came over the horizon. It had grown now to the size of a large building. Jagged and rusty. Its teeth dropped chunks of molten gravy. I backed up and entered the petrol station. It slowly rode around looking for me. I looked out over the station and watched as the petrol ran out. 
I looked about and reached out for a long rag. I wrapped it around my mouth. The fumes, they were making it hard for me to breathe. I walked outside. My eyes were screaming from the fumes. I yelled, Here I am, you stinking awful! <laughs> the giant pie rolled around and stopped in front of me. Its mouth opened wide. Gravy spilled from its lips. That thing was salivating. I pulled out the letter from my pocket and I raised it high. The thing leaned down to swallow me all and I screamed, Come have your dessert, you bastard! And I lit the fumes and they engulfed us both. <laughs> I was told the explosion could be heard all the way back to Geelong. And pieces of meat pie melted most of the Queensbury town center. Of course, they never found the man who had sold me this magic powder. And the blame was put onto the Frenchman Louis Gastro, celebrated chef and celebrity. So here I sit in this room, but I was wondering, do you need a chef? Hi, and thanks for listening to this week's episode entitled Frankenpie. The episode was written and performed by myself, and we will see you next time by the Billabong. <laughs> <laughs>